0: Welcome to the Vineyard Northridge Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Dennis Kozloff. For more information about our church, visit our website at vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge. Well, good morning, church. Awesome. I'm still getting used to the fact that most of you are here when I start. We're going to put those Germans into shame those who don't know, Germans are known for being very punctual. Well, yeah. so there must be a German person somewhere. Yeah. All right. So, we, we continue our series uh, of messages that we called Religious Detox. And uh, we told you that, like, we use this name because it really describes well what we're trying to accomplish. Detoxication is removal of sickening Or detrimental particles from a living organism that makes it unhealthy. And we defined in the series of messages two terms, two words that we use in a stark opposition to one another. One is the gospel of grace, and another one is religion. Religious natural mindset creates those sickening particles that, when you add them to the pure message of the gospel, it renders you powerless. The gospel gives you joy. The gospel gives you hope. The gospel gives you courage. Well, religion comes along, mixes itself in, and takes this joy away from you and takes this courage, takes this hope. And instead, if you stay there too long, it'll give you anxiety. It'll give you depression. It'll freeze you in in, in a navel-gazing position trying to figure out, are you okay with God or not? And you won't be able to be what jesus wants you to be in this world so i need this detoxication, and you do too so be open to that all right so the first message i spoke about the unconditional love of god unfailing unending never running out never fluctuating as the beginning as this and the source of the gospel last week neil spoken of have spoken of God's forgiveness and it is something that is granted to you in the gospel and it's a noun it's not a verb anymore God religion teaches you that God is busy on the throne constantly receiving people flooding to him confessing their sins and he is extending forgiveness and cleaning them and they walk away and a few hours later they're back with new gifts to confess and to be forgiven and to be cleansed and that's the life cycle for them that's a religious lie god has forgiven you L- learn to live in this forgiveness can you do something stupid or wrong of course you're very talented just say it's wrong just say it's stupid try not to do it again but it doesn't change god's heart to you do you know that if my wife would leave me the first time I offended her, I'd be divorced for years now. God's covenant is much more powerful and sturdy than your, uh, the best relationship that you have with a human being. It's a covenant that the Father has made with the Son and nobody can break. And you were brought right into the middle of that. That's the gospel. All right, so today I'm going to talk about the big word that is used both in the gospel and by a lot of religious folks, and the word is salvation. So, and the title of my message today is Saved by Grace. I want to talk about that we guys are saved by grace exclusively, purely 100% grace not 99 not 98 not 97 not 99 point blah blah whatever 100% grace that's my main point but when I started getting into this message I realized there are so many layers that were added to the message of salvation so there are a lot of toxic stuff added to salvation so I'll have to do some cleaning before I would establish this this point of saved by grace I will address few more toxins. And you check yourself, do you have those in your life? And if you do, get rid of it. Don't let it stay in you. It's sickening. All right. So uh, Apostle Paul connects the good news with, with, uh, with salvation. So salvation is a biblical thing. It's a very biblical thing. Salvation, it's a Greek word. New Testament written in, is written in Greek language, in the Greek language. And it's sozo. It means Deliver, save, uh, set free from Romans 1.16, one of my favorite scriptures. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It doesn't say that the gospel has power to distribute it has that the gospel is the power of god that's why satan hates when people preach the gospel and we love to preach the gospel because when we preach the gospel the power of god is released into people's life and they're set free they're delivered so there are many questions that can be raised about this concept of salvation it's been used for centuries centuries and when you use a word or a concept for a long time it creates this effect of like oh we kind of know what you mean but no not necessarily like five different Christians can have five different meanings what it means so I want to ask some questions today and I want to try to tackle and answer uh, get some answers for that so like before I get to the main thing that we're saved by grace I want to ask you like what are we saved from? If we're talking about salvation, that's a serious enough statement. That implies real danger of losing something important, some harm, some damage. What are we saved from? And through the history, a lot of Christian versions of christianity gave different uh, answers and not all of them are true gospel so i'm going to touch some of them well the biggest thing that people know that salvation of the gospel is that you are saved from hell how many of you heard that how many of you believe that that's true but let me ask you a question if you just read the Bible, and let's say you have never heard any teachings, any messages, any, you haven't read any Christian books, you just read the New Testament, will you find that saving you from hell is the central thought of the gospel? So why are you pushing it as the central thought of the gospel? Because you were taught this way, and you think it's true. let's be brutally honest with ourselves and look in the new well anyway those are like actually minor toxins but i'm gonna go through them quickly so the first one we are saved from hell and for centuries the church has been stressing this as the central point of the gospel one preacher said some people well one preacher said jesus is actually not interested in shotgun weddings you see some people think it's a great idea to scare the hell out of people and it's a good way to make them a disciples. But let me tell you, fear is a horrible basis for any kind of intimate relationship. God has no desire to gain you by making you horrified. Just remember that, all right? So Paul, Paul, Apostle Paul, the greatest preacher of the gospel, the biggest church planter in the church history, the one who pretty much started us as the movement, he never mentions hell when he preaches the gospel. Hey, hello. All right. (laughs) Are you a universalist? Do you believe that everybody is already saved? No, no, no. That wouldn't be the point then together here today. You know, you need to receive the gift. Well, anyway, Paul didn't do that. If you take the book of Acts, the early account of the church of Christ, and you try to analyze every single message, public message, of Paul, Peter, and uh, what's his name? Stephen. Not one of them directly refers to hell when they preach the gospel. Not a single one. So why don't you become more like them? And less like some of the preachers you heard, all right? Okay, so that's just a minor one. <clears throat> uh, now I'm going to talk about a bigger toxic belief. That's, that's actually a big one. And unfortunately, a lot of people uh, absorbed it subconsciously and they don't even know that they have it. So it's a good way for you to check it right now, whether you contracted it somewhere. And this is actually religious teaching that in Jesus, you, my friend are being saved from God himself huh exactly when you think about it like what so man-made religion often portrays God as an angry and threatening deity who can be at peace by sacrifices and good works these people teach that Jesus did exactly this he became your salvation from a dangerous God now you have kind of a fireproof shield called Jesus. You, if, if you embraced even, even shreds of this theology, you would find it in yourself that you kind of like Jesus, but you're not sure about the Father God. You, you're comfortable with Jesus, but Father God, you're like, eh, I better hang out with Jesus. Oh, Jesus, your is home, I better get out. It's like Jesus really likes you, the way you are. But God the Father looks at you like with a stern look on his face. Do you know it's a hellish lie? Do you? Do you know that? So, yeah. Jesus' death on the cross did medicate an emotionally unstable father. Like some people teach. You know, I've observed some families with alcoholic fathers. And I'm not here to judge anyone, but listen. This is a horrible thing for kids. When a father has developed addiction to alcohol and is a slave of this substance and becomes, as a result, becomes extremely emotionally unstable. And I've, I've observed fathers who can be like very affectionate and loving and caring one minute, and two hours later can be devil himself and i cannot tell you how much these kids are damaged and when they grow up it it, it takes healing and restoration sometimes they need like uh, go to counselors for years they need some kind of special grace given to them just to begin to get traction with life they struggle with life And this kind of theology is trying to make you that kid. Do you understand that? You know, those kids, they pray, Father, wouldn't come home tonight. And if you're presented with God like that, He's God. You can not get away from Him. And if you're not sure about Him, you're in trouble. It will paralyze you. It will make you paranoid. It will make you full of fear. There will be no fruit in your life. If you see Father like that. In fact, the the gospel, the truth of the gospel that stands in stark contrast to this toxic lie is that God is the one who saved you in Jesus. Jesus came because God wanted you to be saved. Jesus came because God longs for you. Jesus has come because God's heart is turned to you. He is longing for you. Jesus constantly, constantly insisted, I am the Father, I want. I have come on a mission from God because He wants you. He misses you. He is looking for you that's the gospel in russia we have this i mean i was born and raised in russia you you can tell by by an accent by my accent but in russia we have a saying like if you uh scratch any russian hard enough you will discover an asian mongol i know it makes sense uh, makes not much sense to you because russia has been under 300 some years of um, a mongol domination and there was a lot of mixture ethnical you know cultural genetic well i'll tell you something if you scratch hard enough jesus you'll see god the savior savior the savior the title savior is used for god the father and for jesus in the new testament interchangeably i'm gonna read just one scripture there are many scriptures like that second corinthians 519 it's he says In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. That's God in operation. When Jesus is going to the cross to die, that's God going to die for you and me. That's God's price to pay. All right? So, according to the New Testament, well... If he doesn't save us from hell, I mean, he does, but it's not the main thing, right? It's not the central truth of the gospel. If it's not, we're not being saved from himself, from his hot temper and emotional instability. What is he saving us from? What's the salvation from? And what is it to? I want to get to my favorite apostle, who is the apostle of the gospel of grace, Apostle Paul. According to the new covenant, he saves us from being lost, just like I said, from, listen, from being far from him, from living detached from him. He saves us from being separated from him, from God. He saves us from the condition that we all inherited when we were born into this world. This condition is the best depicted as a lost orphan who is detached and removed from his loving family. He's lost, a lost child. There's a loving family somewhere, but he's far, far away from it. That's our condition. This condition is stated in a very pithy way in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the condition. God longs to save every single person in this world. Falling short from the glory of God means falling short from His immediate presence when you can behold His face, and this face reflects His heart, and His face is smiling because His heart is full of love for you. That's the glory of God. Being removed from that place puts you in a cold, great, dark place where you are left alone by yourself to survive and save yourself and you try to imagine who God is you have no clue and any version of God that you come up with is a lie God saves us from that in Jesus do you hear me this is the gospel we are saved from the absence of personal presence of God in our life saved back into personal intimate knowledge of him god gave us eternal life and this life is in his son this is eternal life that they may know the only true god and the son that he has sent salvation is salvation from being far from god salvation is being brought right in the middle of his personal intimate presence and experiencing His love. This is the gospel. All right? If you hear anything different, run. Just run. All right? This will change your life. This will change my life. I'm talking to people online. This will change your life. Just be soaked in this message, please. The gospel is a good news that God Himself has done something about it, about this distance. In Jesus Christ, He dealt with this condition single handedly and He dealt it with he hide- so what we're safe from from the state of alienation we're not aliens anymore you know i'm referred as a legal alien i'm waiting for my naturalization process to become a citizen but come on we are not aliens anymore we're aliens in this world but well i'm not gonna go there i'm gonna read just one scripture but paul's epistles are full of this logic you've been far god has brought you close i'm gonna read one of them ephesians 2 first i'll read verses 12 and 13. remember paul speaks to gentiles not to jewish people he speaks to people like us who are not born in israel he says remember you got to remember that you got to instill it in your in the front uh, forefront of your conscience remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise so you had no claim for any kind of personal relationship with God remember that that was the case remember once you were that but now oh he says you had no hope and you lived without God in the world that's your condition that's my condition but he said but now remember that now you're different hey listen back then and now are two different stories if you receive Jesus you live now you don't live then anymore you live now So live now, live loved, live forgiven, live rescued from distance and being brought back into the heart of God. That's you now. I didn't plan to attack this toxin, but that's another toxin that needs to be removed. People think salvation is for some remote future in heaven when they die. It's for now. It's for now. Remember, back then you were far, you were separated, you were alienated. Now you're not. Hey, come on. Hello, somebody. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And I'm I'm going to continue reading from verse 17. And he came. And I apologize for screaming and yelling because you know me. I get excited. Calm down. Calm down, Jesus. All right. I'll I'll, I'll preach. (laughs) And he came and preached the peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He refers to two groups of people, Jews and Gentiles. He said Jewish people were a little bit closer. They had glimpses of God through the scripture. But they did know the heart of God they did not so those people who come to you with all these jewish letters and special meanings of jewish things and they say these will unlock all the deep secrets of the bible for you Bull crap. <laughs> jesus unlocks all the secrets of god's heart to you you don't have to know jewish or greek or latin or anything no jesus Invite Jesus. The second you invite Jesus, the Bible begins to unlock to you. Oh man, whoo! <laughs> oh man, yes, Lord Jesus. So, this is the salvation of the gospel. So, just remember, religion thrives on this idea of distance and separation. But the gospel is a bold declaration that the distance has been eradicated by God in Jesus this is the gospel oh man today so now I'm coming to my main point that everything is hinges on for your life now how Paul said I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God that brings salvation into a life of anyone who believes how does it happen how come I see some Christians and they rejoice in their salvation? They're full of joy. They they they're hopeful. They infuse others with this hope. And I see other Christians so they're going like, like nothing happened. Like Jesus hasn't done what He has done. And I think if you get this today, it will help you to be one of those Christians that actually are marked by joy and hope and courage instead of. The opposite. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. And I, I memorized this verse when I just became a Christian. The first few months I became a Christian. Somebody said, you got to memorize this verse. I actually memorized two verses from this epistle. One is about the condition that we used to be in no longer now. That's I just quoted. And another one is this one. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not Your own doing. Ah, this is not your own doing. That's the secret of the gospel. This is not your own doing. Stop doing it. Stop saving yourself. Stop trying to be your savior. Stop trying to add something to the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross start walking in what he has done and expect him to do something through you stop doing your own doing there's so much religious toxins out there and a lot of them a lot of christians they experience initial joy but then they lost it all why because of this because first they received this pure message of grace (laughs) haha really it's hard to believe it's too good to be true but it's true wow full of joy and then later they said oh well that just the first payment is skipped and then on a regular basis you have to contribute monthly installments i thought it's grace no it's kind of grace in the beginning but now what I thought is joy. Yeah, joy in the beginning. It's like getting married. You know, it's a honeymoon thing. Now it's a real life. I'll say it again, bullcrap. That's not real life. Real life is being filled with the Spirit because Jesus has done it all. Huh? And now you're like, you know, here's the thing. What's grace? Grace is 100% gift of God. You don't get to contribute. Grace is being saved by him alone. You don't get to contribute. Being saved in the beginning, being saved in the middle, being saved at the end, being saved in the process. Some people have a hard time getting that because they really believe that they still have some sufficiency in this task. The secret of enjoying grace is acknowledge your total insufficiency. Once I got stuck in an international airport for 12 hours and I couldn't leave the airport, I was in a foreign country, I had to have visa to go outside of the airport, and I didn't have visa. So I thought that's okay. I found a chair that looks like a recliner, and I will just sleep through this 12 or 10 hours. I don't remember. I'll take a shower in the morning. I couldn't. I was so tired, but I was I was falling, just just dropping into this deep phase of sleep and waking up immediately. Like, Is everything okay? My money, my... uh, Because the place is full of strangers. And then I, I would be so tired and I was like... try. So I was going schizophrenic. I was trying to rest and protect myself at the same time. Don't be that to yourself. Choose. I mean, if I would have somebody, a friend of mine that I would trust, I would say, hey, buddy, let's do this. I sleep for two hours. You watch. Then we switch. You sleep. I watch. You know... That'd be great quality, two hours sleep for me, because I would trust someone. So this faith that he, this passage is talking about is trusting. that Jesus is enough. He' is sufficient. And you remove your attempts and your ideas and your efforts and your striving. You, you refuse to strive. you choose to trust. And some of us have to learn it the hard way, but I suggest that you would learn it from the beginning. Just, just receive God's testimony about it. So I want to invite a friend of mine, Brother Robert. Come on here, brother. He recently joined our church and he said, oh my goodness, this church was like a breathing a fresh air when I found it. And he shares his life story and it's, it's an amazing, fascinating story uh, and Maybe one day he'll share most of it, but today I just want him to share a little bit how he discovered God's grace, how he discovered God. So, brother, go ahead. Thank you, Pastor. Oh, turn it on. Yeah. All right.
1: Hello again. My name is Robert, and this is home to me. And that's the words I used with the pastors was that when I came here, I just felt the Holy Spirit so strong and just loved being here. And I feel like I'm home. And I love Thank you good. guys Thank you. deeply. I met with them this week, and I gave them some of my testimony, and um, we were talking about this message, and I just need to say that everything he has just spoken um, happened to me, everything. I went to church when I was little, and I heard lots of, you know, what they used to call hellfire and brimstone preaching, you know, and how you're going to hell, and all these reasons, and... uh, And I really don't ever remember him talking about Jesus, but I definitely knew about, you know, sin and going to hell. And when I was eight years old, I gave my life to Jesus, where at least I thought I did. I sure tried to. I was taught the gospel by this lady in Good News Club, and uh, I asked Jesus to live in my heart. And um, I had some very serious problems starting at eight years old. I got severely lost in addiction and it lasted many 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 years and um, when I gave my life to Jesus I was expecting because she told me clearly that I would be a new creation because that's what scripture says and I would sit on my bed and after getting kicked out of school or being you know spanked by my dad for whatever all I did wrong I kept thinking you know how come I'm not this new creation so I would ask Jesus in my heart again And I did this over and over for quite some little bit of time until one day, and I remember it very clearly, I made a decision within myself. I said, okay, so Jesus, you make people new creations, and I'm not this new creation because I'm getting in worse trouble, not less trouble, and so, you know, obviously, maybe you just don't love me. And so I ended up running away from God, and I ran away from him for a very long time. And I ran in fear, exactly what we're talking about. Afraid of hell, afraid of God, God afraid, of, afraid of everything. And um, you know, that condition went on for a very long time, and fear will destroy your life. you know, And fear of God will cause you to run away from him. And, um, you can't get away from him. Praise the Lord. You can't get away from him. Well, let me fast forward. Cause I've only, I promised I would do this very quickly. So, and that's a big experience for me to do anything quickly when I'm speaking <laughs> <laughs> on my deathbed. And literally I need to tell you, I was, I was given less than a week to live by the doctors and I was homeless and had been for six years and had a very, very, very serious addiction problem. And, my life was just absolutely completely destroyed and I had absolutely destroyed everything that God had ever graciously given to me. When I was given that announcement that I was not going to live through the week, you know, I went back to God. Actually, I went to Jesus and I said, Jesus, you know, I never not believed that he was real. Never not, be- there, there was no, he's not really real, he's not, nope, never had that in my life. I just couldn't connect with Jesus. I couldn't make that connection like we're talking about this morning where, you know, you are brought into the family, you're brought close. I couldn't understand that closeness because of the religiosity that was in my life and the fear that I had of God. Well, on my deathbed, I cried out to Jesus and I said, Jesus, if you're really real, if you're if you're really real. And I wasn't saying that like I didn't believe that he was real. I was saying that as, this is so desperately serious. If you're really real, Jesus, you gotta come and you gotta come now. You know, addicts, they're like, Tomorrow I'll get straightened up. Tomorrow I'll next week, next month, you know. I told Jesus, I don't have tomorrow. I don't have next week. You got to do, you got to come now. And I am here to tell you that Jesus came. He heard my cry and, and he came. I also need to make the point with, that he's making this morning and that the gospel makes is that there was still tons of sin in my life. You know, me crying out to Jesus on my deathbed wasn't like, okay, I got all my life straightened down. I got everything good. Now God can be happy. And now I, no, I had a long road to come to uh, healing and deliverance and all those things. But Jesus saved me that day, which really just proves this scripture. I was saved by grace and nothing that I could do of myself. Now we could say, how come it took so long? I don't know. I don't know. That's between, you know, God and himself. And, and I do have some understanding of it because he, I became a minister after I surrendered my life to Jesus. And I spent 20-something years preaching the gospel everywhere I could. Thank you, dear Jesus. And so, you know, he had a plan and purpose for me. And as I look back at my life, I could see that he was always with me. But I certainly couldn't see that during those many lost years. So I just want to give God praise this morning, and I want to thank the pastor, and I just want to acknowledge that this passage is absolutely true. There was nothing I could do to save myself.
0: Thank you, brother. Thank you. Am I on? Yes. Now listen, guys. You understand that this is real. We're not playing. We're not playing church. We're not playing God. This guy was was told he's done. The doctors don't understand how he's how he lives now. His liver is destroyed. There's like little little piece of liver that is still functioning. And look at him. God is real. He has saved us by His grace. And I, I, wanna, I want you to know, I want to fight this religiosity that you find in yourself. That just like you received Jesus originally, you need to continue in the same way. By grace alone, please. Every day is the best day of your life. Why? Because you bring nothing to the table. You come to receive. And you receive abundance. You receive not just for you, you receive for others as well. All right? All right? Therefore, as you receive Jesus Christ, Colossians 2, 6, 7, I don't have to have it on the screen, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For
1: more information about our church, visit vineyardnorthridge.org or find us on social media at Vineyard Northridge.